you know, life, you know, from my perspective, is all about trust and relationships. If you have it, you're golden. If you don't, it's hard to get back. And um, living up to your word, being honest with people when you can't do something. But mostly, I would say, be authentic. Be you. Because if you're not, you know, people will see right through it. And um, be an effective communicator. Welcome, everyone, to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome to Ask a CEO, everyone. I'm Greg Demetrio, the host for today. And my day job is CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an integrated marketing company here in New York. My real passion, however, is interviewing CEOs and talking to them about their journey to the corner office. Today, we have a really special guest. Uh, I know I say that a lot, but this is true. John Miller is a high-impact international executive leader. Uh, in his career, he's made significant difference in the lives of millions. He's turned around struggling nonprofit organizations and strengthened others. <clears throat> he is the president of and the CEO of the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. <clears throat> you may remember Sully, the service dog that was assigned to former President uh, George H.W. Bush. But more about that in a little bit. John is formerly the president and CEO of the Tourette's Association of America and the CEO of the American Red Cross on Long Island during Hurricanes Irene and Sandy. He's also held senior executive positions in public service and higher education. He's received multiple leadership awards, including King of Long Island, CEO of the Year and Business Achievement Award and the top 40 under 40. John will be with us momentarily. The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications, a full-service award-winning agency where experience matters. Visit them at LorraineGregory.com. And here we are with uh, John Miller, the CEO of the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. John, I got to tell you, I'm so excited to talk to you today. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. Uh, full disclosure, John and I know each other for probably around 20 years. Uh, we've been traveling in the same universes, uh, and he's a, just a fantastic human being. But more importantly, he runs a national nonprofit, and it really has impacted so many people's lives. But before we get started on that, perhaps, John, you could tell the audience your backstory, your personal story, and how you wound up at the Guide Dog Foundation. Sure. And thanks, Greg. Yeah, we appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's good to see you again. And, you know, I see all the great things happening with Lorraine Gregory. So congratulations on your rebrand and all that's uh, happening for you guys. It's it's exciting time for you. Thanks, John. So uh, my backstory is you know, a pretty uh, simple one. It's kind of intertwined, you know, with different stops you know, along the way. 
Uh, so I'm a lifelong uh, Long Islander, been here, you know, forever. And, um, you know, started out my career very early on in uh, local government uh, with the town of Babylon as actually an intern, you know, at, during high school and college. And then ultimately, uh, when I had graduated, I became uh, the housing director for the town of Babylon and ultimately uh, the public works commissioner. Yeah. And, you know, had, you know, political aspirations, uh, you know, wanted to be president one day. I don't know that I've fully, you know, given up on those yet, but certainly not happening anytime soon, but uh, ultimately got recruited to uh, become the CEO, or excuse me, COO of a college up in Westchester, uh, Mercy College, which was, you know, an, an interesting move for me. It was, you know, totally different field. I had only been in government at that point. And, um, you know, took a shot and, uh, you know, did some good things, you know, with Mercy. Uh, but, you know, candidly, the commute was a crazy commute. I was still living, you know, on Long Island and going back and forth, uh, you know, to Dobbs Ferry every day. And ultimately, uh, you know, decided to make a move. I won't give you every, you know, single job that I've had, but, um, you know, the one that's most relevant to tying me into the guide dog is probably when I started with the food bank for New York City, um, which is, you know, the largest you know, in the country. You know, I was brought on there as, you know, the chief of staff. And, you know, this is where everything becomes, you know, intertwined. So I uh, did a lot of great work, you know, with the food bank. You know, it's funny, I was with the food bank during the Great Recession, you know, the American Red Cross during Hurricanes Irene and Sandy, and now at, you know, Guide Dog with, um, you know, COVID. Uh, so I guess it's fair to say I'm battle tested in <laughs> these crises. But, you know, the food bank was great and, you know, did a lot of good work, you know, for thousands, if not millions of people, uh, you know, getting them food across the five boroughs. And one of the uh, partnerships, you know, we had was with the American Red Cross in New York City. And we've done, you know, we did, part of my role was to do some business deals with them to provide them food for local uh, disasters, you know, in the city and, uh, you know, build some relationships and ultimately became aware of an opportunity that was available, you know, with the Red Cross, uh, you know, back on, uh, Long Island and uh, ultimately became, you know, the Suffolk County uh, CEO. And then we merged, uh, you know, Nassau, Suffolk and Shelter Island, all those three branches of the Red Cross, uh, you know, to one unit. And, you know, timing is everything. You know, we hit Hurricane Irene and, you know, Hurricane Sandy, and it was probably the most impactful time for the Red Cross, you know, in its you know, history here in New York and, uh, you know, probably across the country. It, and, you know, great people, you know, I, the common theme is, you know, great people. And, you know, for me, you know, I had a very intentional career path, you know, that I wanted to follow. And, you know, for me, I wanted to be a national level CEO. And uh, an opportunity came across with uh, the National Tourette Association of America, uh, which is based in Bayside, Queens, and does great work with such a great and important community. And I had the opportunity, you know, to really work there, you know, to help turn the organization around, you know, give it a new focus on its business and its programming. And, um, you know, became a national CEO for a couple of years. And this is how it all you know, ties in. Um, it winds up, you know, one of the recruiting firms that I used for uh, the food bank wound up with the search for the Guide Dog Foundation. And, uh, you know, we're talking about you know, almost 10, you know, 12 years apart from, you know, my tenure there at the food bank, but, you know, they stayed in touch and, you know, get reached out when this opportunity came forward. And when I had the opportunity to meet some of our clients, the board members here, you know, it was, you know, it was not a hard decision. You know, it was, I love the Tourette Association. They still do incredible work, but ultimately made the decision to come here, which, um, you know, gave me the opportunity now to lead two national organizations in the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. I mean, a Guide Dog Foundation is just an outstanding organization. So maybe you could tell the audience, um, 
about the history of the Guide Dog Foundation and how the American Vet Dogs came to be created and how that happened. Sure. So uh, we're actually celebrating this year uh, your 75th anniversary with the Guide Dog Foundation. So back in 1946, uh, you know, a group of families came together to uh, you know put the organization together, and it's been you know on a you know great trajectory you know ever since. Uh, so we provide services you know, here at the Guide Dog Foundation you know to all you know, people who are blind or vision impaired uh, all across the country, Canada, and in a couple other countries as well. Uh, but we're primarily focused here in the U.S. And you know we have you know a ten acre campus in Smithtown, New York, on Long Island. And we work you know, across the country. We have uh, staff working remotely across the country, whether they're trainers, fundraisers, or you know, whatever their function may be. And about 15, 16 years ago at this point, you know, with the escalating conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, my predecessor and the board and the organization had the forethought uh, you know, to see an emerging need um, for you know, American veterans coming home who may have PTSD or you know, lost a limb or, um, or even worse and you know, formed America's Vet Dogs back in 2003 as a program. And um, America's Vet Dogs, you know, kind of growth has been you know, exponential. Um, a lot of that growth uh, was due, uh, certainly over the last three years, was due uh, to one of the most high profile dogs you know, in the world, and that's Sully, right? So we had an opportunity to work with former President George H.W. Bush about three years ago now. And you know, we were instantly thrust you know, on the international stage and one of the things I'm most proud of, you know, through that process was, you know, the grace and dignity that everybody in the organization, you know, held themselves with, but also, you know, that the moment wasn't, you know, too big for us and that we were able to, you know, really uh, work, uh, you know, to shine a light on all the services that are available for all veterans, not just uh, presidents. So um, it's, it's been a great ride. Sully became quite an ambassador for the organization uh, with, the, with the high level acclaim that was received uh, the video profiles that were done, the presentations, so forth and so on. So for a nonprofit, that was huge. So that must have opened many, many doors for you. Maybe you could tell us what that actually did. I mean, when when the president passed, it was all of a sudden there was Sully. And you guys took that and you took it across the world. Yeah, it's, you know, the first thing I got to say, you know, you know, the president definitely passed way too soon. We thought we were going to be you know, in a much longer, you know, partnership, you know, with him and, you know, and the family. But working with, you know, the president and, you know, his handlers and, you know, the entire Bush family, you know, they were first class, you know, in every way possible. And, you know, allowed for us, you know, to take this opportunity and to really, you know, as I said earlier, shine a light, you know, on our services. You know, we had one month uh, after the president passed, Greg, you know, where we had over 50,000 unique stories on the organization, you know, across the world, right? Which is, you know, being in marketing, you know, that's, you know, you can't buy that, right? And um, uh, working with the Bush family really did, you know, a couple different things for us. Uh, number one, um, you know, proved that we had, you know, the credibility and the right quality of dogs, the right quality of trainers, the right quality of staff, you know, to be worthy of working, uh, you know, with the Bush family. And um, also, you know, being able you know, to help tell our story, right, and the services that are available. And, you know, that launched into, uh, you know, different partnerships with different television networks, uh, as well as, you know, many different sports teams. Um, you know, it really put us, at least on the America's Vet Dog side, in my opinion, as the brand leader, 
you know, in the country for service dogs? Well, I kind of think that is anyhow. I mean, I know I'm prejudiced because it's in my backyard and I know you for many, many years and I knew your predecessor. Uh, and I was always enthralled with how you guys did. I have two yapping little dogs and I can't teach them to sit down. <laughs> so what you guys do is amazing, right? So now, John, you've overseen, in this case, the guide dog and the vet dogs, amazing growth. And you've elevated the profile of a nonprofit that's been around for a lot of years. Maybe you could tell us how you dovetailed the two. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. So this, you know, all the organizations I've worked with have been, you know, terrific, right? We've had great people, great teams, all great causes. And yeah, I've been real fortunate in my career to work with a lot of good people. You know, coming you know, to the Guide Dog Foundation, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think I brought was, you know, you know, allowing us to think a little bigger, right? You know, move the needle and, um, you know, a real sense that we belong, you know, on network television, that we belong, you know, at the tables with the biggest funders in, you know, in the country and not being afraid to go for it, right? So looking at, you know, all that we've done, you know, we have a very, uh, very intentional uh, media and public relations strategy. You know, we have a pretty small team relative, you know, to the results, you know, that they get. And, you know, you know, we're very impressed with, you know, all that they've done. Uh, but it's, you know, the PR and marketing function for us is a cornerstone, you know, of our growth, uh, telling the story, you know, working with, um, you know, not only the Bush family, but NBC, your local NBC affiliates across the country, uh, a lot of the sports teams um, we're forming partnerships with, and I'm hopeful that we'll announce some more as people get back into arenas, you know, in stadiums you're going forward. But um, it, it's just been a great time. But everything we do is really intentional, right? It, you know, we have you know, a very clear strategic plan. Um, now, certainly we could not predict, you know, the, the spotlight, you know, that we received from working with the president. Uh, but we were able to, you know, take that and, and build other relationships because of the credibility it gave us. I think that's, isn't that key though, having a, a purposeful and strategic view and having a, a, a plan in place to capitalize on the good things that you have going on. I mean, I think you can translate that to any business whatsoever, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, I had kind of have a little formula that I've adapted, you know, in each of those stops we've talked about. And, you know, critical to that formula, you know, from my perspective, something I call role and goal clarity, which is basically making sure that everybody in our organization and all of our stakeholders know what our goals are. And each individual who works with us uh, knows what their role is in achieving those goals. And then we hold ourselves accountable and um, we just continue to move forward. So you've, you've increased the high profile relationships that you've had. Uh, you know, I don't want to put it all on Sully, but that really opened the door for a lot broader coverage for you guys. So in terms of takeaways from these new or higher level relationships that you have, what would be your takeaway in, in terms of dealing with those in a different way than, you know, donors you've had in the past? Is there a difference? Uh, there's a slight difference. I mean, everybody's important, right? And, you know, hopefully we convey, you know, to all of our supporters that, you know, we, we appreciate all levels of our supporters, whether they're volunteers, uh, donors, uh, you know, people who open their homes to our dogs, you know, we appreciate everybody. But, you know, when you look at you know, some of the higher profile you know, relationships, you know, I think we've been able you know, to deliver on those because of, you know, the execution of the relationship, meaning that, um, the people we've worked with, you know, on a high profile basis, 
And you, know, you could equate it really, you know, you can look at Sully and you could also look at you know, the relationship we had with the Today Show and NBC. Um, so really, um, you see, we've done these things, you know, a couple times at this point, we get better at it each time, but most importantly, uh, we try, you know, to provide value to our partners. And, you know, the key to life in my perspective, you know, on a personal and professional basis is relationships, yeah. right? And, you know, people, you know, yeah. have to trust you and they have to know you're going to deliver. And, uh, you know, we do our best, you know, to make sure our partners are happy and make them and us you know, look as good as possible in the process. Isn't that the foundation? Trust is the foundation of everything else that comes from it. But so now you're in a unique nonprofit in that you find, acquire, train dogs to be service animals. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what that process is like to go from a puppy to a trained service dog. Sure. So um, you know, it's slightly different for each organization, but, you know, but the base is kind of the same. So we breed, you know, the overwhelming majority of the board, uh, the dogs that we use for the program here. We use um, you know, basically, you know, golden retrievers and you know, Labradors and, um, you know, a small percentage of poodles based on, you know, people's need and, you know, allergies that they may have. Uh, so the dogs are bred here. They um, you know, stay on campus here in Smithtown until about eight weeks of age. Um, when they're eight weeks, you know, we team them up with uh, somebody we call a puppy raiser, right? At least on the guide dog side. So we have a ton of volunteers. We've had 1,600 exactly, or approximately, um, volunteers across the country who help us in you know, raising the dogs and you know, raising the money. So a dog will be going to a puppy raiser uh, for the guide dog foundation and will work until they're about, uh, live in that house and you'll know, be socialized until they're about, uh, you know, 14 to 16 months old. You know, at which point, you know, they come back here to Smithtown, no matter where they were across the country, and uh, get trained by our professional trainers who match them up ultimately and make the skills, you know, commensurate with uh, the veteran or, excuse me, in this case, you know, the person who's blind or visually impaired and their needs, you know, and everything from, um, you know, the size of the dog to the skills that they get is, you know, highly customized based on, you know, the need. When you have the America's Vet Dog side, you know many of those dogs when they leave here in eight weeks go to prisons across the country, and um, you know, are trained in what we call our puppy prison program. And you know same timing, you know when they get back around fourteen to sixteen months, uh, they will uh, you know come back here and you know same process. You know whether they're going to somebody in a wheelchair, somebody who may have a prosthetic limb, somebody who may have an invisible injury such as PTSD, uh, will you know those skills will be customized as well. So your dogs have a prison have prison records. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really an interesting way to handle it. I always thought that 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 would be a fertile place to use people who want something in their lives and they're stuck in these penitentiaries. And what do they have to look forward to? I can imagine what a puppy does for them. It, yeah, it's no, it's, it's got to be life changing. Oh yeah, it's 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 mutually beneficial, right? It helps us because. You know, the dogs are with them, you know, 24-7, right? It's, um, and, you know, they have the opportunity to have a dog, which is a unique scenario, you know, in, in a prison. And, you know, we have, you know, a number of inmates you know, who volunteer to, you know, get in the program. Certainly yeah. more inmates want to have it than we have puppies available. You have, you have to tell me how that happened. How did you decide and how, who approached whom? about putting dogs in prisons. Yeah, yeah, so the, the model was here before I got here, so I certainly can't ah. you know, take any um, you know, credit for that, nor, nor would I want to, but it, it's fairly common in organizations like ours, in the Northeast in particular. 
um, you know, to work with different prisons, um, you know, to do this. Um, you know, we had somebody on staff who uh, was one of the first people uh, who did this in another organization up in Boston, and we replicated, you know, that model you know, here on Long Island. And uh, we have prisons actually that run, you know, the entire Eastern Seaboard from uh, Maine to Florida. Very interesting, very interesting. So John, we're gonna take a quick pause here to let the commercial come in so the sponsors can pay our bills. Uh, and uh, we'll be back to you in a few moments. The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications, a full service award-winning agency where experience matters. Visit them at LorraineGregory.com. And we're back with John Miller the guide dog and America vet dog CEO. So John, the guide dog foundation is such a large organization. How do you generate the funds necessary to maintain and grow your operation? I mean, I've been in the nonprofit world for more than I like to consider. Uh, so how do you use your mark? I know you touched on it a little bit. How do you use your marketing and advertising to help you attain those funds? Yeah, so we have a very diversified um, you know, revenue streams. You know, we have um, you know, everything from you know, the blocking and tackling of you know, direct mail that you'd get you know, in your house. And you know, we have acquisition mailings and you know, renewal mailings that we do. You know, we have high touch events, uh, which are terrific. You know, one of the most unique things when I came here, and they really had explained to me what this was, is uh, it's a dog fashion show. We call it Dogs on the Catwalk, right? And we have, you know, a great fashion designer from New York City who does, you know, fashions for both female models, male models, and uh, for dogs. And, um, you know, when I first saw this, I said, wow, this is probably the most unique event I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, the designer takes it very seriously. The audience loves it. You know, the dogs come out dressed up in, you know, custom design clothes. You know, everybody goes crazy. And, um, you know, fun events like that. Uh, you know, we have major gift program. You know, we started, you know, in the last couple of years. Uh, the sports partnerships, um, and you know something for your uh, your executive audience here, Greg. You know we do a program which is brand new, is called the Corporate Puppy with a Purpose, where uh, an organization you know can adopt um, or sponsor is probably a better way to say it. Sponsor a puppy you know as they go through their training process, and you know there's branding involved on the vests that we give the dog, oh. and um, we do a lot of social media, and. You know, marketing, you know, marketing is probably as responsible for our success that we've had over here for the last three years as, you know, any part of the organization. You know, we have, um, you know, high touch partners, you know, the relationship we have with NBC, the Today Show. Uh, we did we did spots with um, NBC for a year long in Boston, Baltimore, Atlanta and L.A. Uh, you know, we continue to develop all different you know, forms of media relationships. And you know, once again, going back to Sully, um, you know, we were on you know, you know, the big stage nationally and internationally with all of the major networks with um, you know, Fox, NBC, CBS, uh, ABC, uh, you know, BBC, all of the major you know, networks both here and abroad. And you know, we were able to continue to cultivate and you know, work with those relationships as a result of the Sully experience. But yeah, you know, we really have a great team. You know, our marketing team is you know, terrific. It's it's a team of four. You know, they produce like their team of eight at least, um, and you know have just gotten terrific results. They're very passionate about what we do, and you know everything that we do is you know is based on the people we help, right? And so it's easy to get passionate you know about that. So sure. asking these guys to think big, you know, is not a hard hard task here. So you 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 actually 
preempted my question. I was going to talk about your exposure with the top name uh, broadcast and so forth. And my question really is, how important is that to your overall leadership and how does that filter down to the rest of the organization? You're being the international spokesman, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's a cornerstone to what we're doing, right? It's, you know, it's really an intentional strategy to get nationally earned media uh, and local earned media regionally here in New York and in the mm -hmm. markets you know, we work with. You know, we work very hard you know, to do that. And I think you know, whenever, we whenever we're featured, um, it's good news, right? There's a lot of good news that happens and it's about helping people and you know, changing their lives. You know, in a world where a lot of the news is bad, you know, lately, you know, these are good stories. So I think, you know, for our organization to see us out there, whether it's me as the spokesperson or one of our graduates or, you know, another member of the team, you know, speaking and, you know, highlighting the organization, it, it's uplifting for everybody. And, you know, these are very proud moments for us when we get national and, you know, regional exposure. And, you know, it also feeds into, you know, our, all of our donor engagement and making sure that everybody's up to date, you know, on what we're doing. And right. when they see the high level, you know, stuff, it's, um, you know, it gives us a lot of credibility. You know, it's interesting because you're such a big organization. You're, 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 you're a larger than life personality, whether you like me to say that or not, <laughs> but I've seen you on, on many of these uh, video productions and you just bring the message just so strong, right? But now you have run a big organization and, and, and Mike Dowling of Northwell says culture eats strategy for lunch. Meaning that organizational health and success, especially in a nonprofit, depend on culture. How would you describe the culture of what you're running, and why is it so important to the organization? Yeah, no, I would agree with that statement. It's um, you know, it's an interesting you know mix of uh, people we have. We have you know people all across the country and volunteers all across the country uh, that work with us. So when I came in, you know, part of the blueprint you know, I was talking about earlier was to really just, you know, create a culture of transparency, right? So whether it goes to the role and goal clarity, what we're trying to accomplish, my hope is that everybody uh, who works with us, you know, is what, you know, what our goals are at this point, uh, that we have, you know, feedback loops, both uh, not only with me, but, you know, the, the entire management team with our volunteers and our staff. And it's really about building that trust and, you know, open communication. And you know, the thing I would define you know, the most about our people here, uh, that's probably the most representative of our culture, is passion. You know, our people want to help you know, the people who need, you know, need us and need, their, need our dogs and really work you know, to get, get things done, right? You know, and during COVID here in particular, you know, like everybody else, we were really in the beginning trying to struggle to figure out what we we're going to do. And you know, we came up with a pretty good plan that probably had to change about 95 times right? and probably under understating that. Yes. Um, you know, but our people were with us and you know, I was very proud to see, you know, everybody in our organization, you know, rise to the occasion. And I really think that stems from, you know, the services we provide and knowing that people are depending on us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's on, without them, what do you really have to, to, be, to, to tell you the truth without that passion, without the, the buy-in into the vision, you're, you're really left floundering. So growth of a company, even a nonprofit is very exciting. And, and I'm sure you guys have experienced some exponential growth over the last period of time, but that creates new challenges every day. Mm -hmm. So how do you, John Miller, prepare to meet challenges every day without getting burnt out? You know, you know, that's an interesting question. You know, COVID, I think, has challenged all of us. Um, 
You, you know, I think number one, Greg, is you know being organized and being you know centered in you know in you know in our goals and what we're trying to accomplish, so we don't let you know a lot of outside noise kind of come in, um, you know, and get us you know distracted from that. You know, it's also about being situationally aware, like what's happening with the rest of the world. We can't live you know in isolation here, uh, but it's you know it's about enjoying what you do too. Yeah, I can't. You know, if there's ever you're having a bad day here, you go outside, you, you see a puppy or you see a veteran uh, <laughs> who lost their limbs, you know, in conflict and, you know, the dog changing their life. Right. So it's there's a lot of good stuff happening here. And, um, you know, there's there's some business to run, too. Right. None of this happens unless, you know, we're, we're executing on a business plan. Right. So we got to raise a lot of money oh, and we got to do our jobs well every day because it's a crowded marketplace. Uh, but here it's a lot, it's easy to do here, you know, with the, with the people we help. So it's, um, it's self-motivating. You know, I've always said, you know, I've been involved with the nonprofit world since, gee, since I sat in this chair and I've always told them, I've always advised them, listen, you may be a nonprofit, but you are a business. If you don't run your nonprofit like a business, you're going to be out of business. Yep. And what am I selling? I'm a nonprofit. I'm not having anything to sell. Yes, you do. You're selling your cause and your message and your achievements. And that's your product. And that's what you're selling. So the fact that you say it's got to run like a business is spot on. Spot on. It's always been my advice to nonprofits. Some of them get it. Some of them don't. All right. Yeah. So, so this, you're, you're like just all over the place. You're John, John everywhere. So what does rest, relaxation and recreation look like for you? You're not a lot of rest, but, you know, I have two, my wife and I have two children, you know, two, uh, one 14 year old, one 12, as we're sitting here today, uh, they both play, uh, you know, travel soccer, you know, at a very high level, huh. um, you know, one just switched teams. So now we're going to two different places across, you know, Long Island and, you know, the Northeast, uh, you know, with our kids. Um, you know, we like spending time yeah, on the soccer field with them. You know, I always said if I ever got a couple weeks off, you know, on a personal basis, you know, I'd love to go out, you know, spend a month, you know, out in uh, Vegas and, you know, tackle the World Series of Poker. You know, I haven't gotten to it yet, oh. but that is definitely on my list, uh, you know, to do. Uh, but, you know, we enjoy, you know, going to games, sporting games, you know, whether it's, you know, baseball, football, or kids' soccer games, um, you know, we like fine dining too. You know, some restaurants. You know, food is definitely, uh, as you might see, you know, form of entertainment. You know, for me. But um, when you look at life, you know, you know, finding that balance is tough, but it's important. You know, you yeah. know, to do, you know, to have some separation. Well, having passion for what you do doesn't ordinarily lend itself to the fine line of okay, I quit work at four thirty, or I quit work at five o'clock, or I'm definitely off on Saturday and Sunday. And I haven't taken a two-week vacation in ever, right? So you have to try and find some kind of balance. I don't like the term work balance. Yep. I really don't. Yep. Um, I love what I do. I show up every day. If you ask me to work eight days a week, I would. Uh, because it's it's my passion. It's, it's what I... Listen, I started out as a New York City detective. How the hell did I know I was going to be in a marketing agency, yep. right? So learning that all of these years now, and I'm, I'm in a position where I can apply it. It's like, wow, I know this stuff. This is good stuff, right? And you, you want to get up. You want to go to work every day. So, all right, I, you know, I could keep you all day long. You and I could talk forever uh, about your organization and, and what I'm learning from you today. But I really need to be responsible for our audience and their CEOs and 
uh, people on their journey to the corner office. So in closing, I always ask my guests, what's the best advice you've ever received? And it could be both personally or business or one or the other, your choice. Yeah, I think it's always, you know, work hard and always live up to your word, right? You know, your word is, you know, all you have at the end of the day. And, you know, life, as we talked a little about earlier, Greg, you know, from my perspective, is all about trust and relationships. If you have it, you're golden. If you don't, it's hard to get back. And um, living up to your word, being honest with people, you know, when, when you can't do something. Um, but mostly, I would say, be authentic, be you, because if you're not, you know, people will see right through it and um, yeah. be an effective communicator. Yeah. You can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. 100%. Right. So, John, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. Please thank let you. the audience know how they can contact you, get more information about the God Dog Foundation or America's Vet Dogs, how they can volunteer, how they can donate. Yeah, so it's pretty simple, Greg. Just go to either one of our websites, guidedog.org or vetdogs.org. Pretty good. John, thank you much. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Don't miss any of our upcoming Ask a CEO interviews. We've had some great guests line up from every industry from all over the world. The video interviews are available on YouTube uh, at Greg's Corner Office or as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other streaming platforms. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share far and wide. And thanks, and we'll see you next time. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.